Hi, welcome to the Wine Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Craig. The Wine Beat is an exploration of the world's most compelling wine regions in search of the most exciting wines. Today's installment is something that I'm very proud of and I think is an exciting episode. We're going to do a virtual tour of what's going on in modern Greek winemaking. This is a series of interviews that I did with six or seven, I think there might even be eight individuals, um, influential people in the Greek wine market from winemakers to marketing experts to financiers. We're going to check out what's driving the renaissance in modern Greek wines. There's something else that's special about today's episode and that's the music. Kostas Kalafatis is one of Greece's great rambetica musicians. I had the opportunity to sit with Kostas and his wife Vula in their home on the island of Skopelos, Greece, and record this music. The music is about wine drinking. You're going to hear a little bit about the, at the beginning, uh, the introductory music, and then later you'll, you'll hear a, a full song. Uh, I hope you enjoy the music. I think it has a very special touch, so I'm very proud of that. So let's get started with a conversation with Anna Dimitriadis of the My Cava wine shop in Thessaloniki. Anna's going to talk to us about the revolution that's occurring with young winemakers in Greece, winemakers who are educated and working around the globe, bringing their experience back to Greece and really driving new energy into the industry. After that, we're going to pop over to the Garavasilou estate, talk to Argiris Garavasilou. Garavasilou is one of the great wine estates in Greece. And Argiris is going to talk to us a little bit about some of the technology they're applying to improve their wines, to bring out the character of the grapes that they grow. Uh, and then there's more. We'll, uh, we'll keep going. I'll introduce the uh, speakers as we go. But uh, let's get started. Boom, go. fantastic opportunity to talk about something that I find interesting, which is the young winemakers of Greece. There's a lot of exciting activity happening in terms of new wine regions, new winemakers. What would you say about the young winemakers of Greece? Uh, they are so uh, innovative and uh, they're full of dreams, <laughs> I would say. Uh, they're, most of them have studied abroad. Uh, most of them have studied in France and California and have been all around in uh, Latin America, in uh, the New World countries, South Africa, New Zealand. So they have been around, they have tasted a lot, they have worked in places. So they're full of you know, images of knowledge of modern technologies uh, and they know how modern wines are around the world are. That's really, really um, important when you want to come back and to keep on with tradition, but to add your own piece to it and modernize it, kind of. Well, I think that's what the new winemakers of Greece are trying to do. They're so much more well-informed than their fathers or their grandfathers and um, I think 
these are the ones who are leading the revolution right now. Um, I have, many of them are friends, we're friends, we're around the same age, and I really, really like the new wines that are coming up. Let's tell me a few of them. Some people are doing interesting things in interesting places. Well, um, I've got uh, now these days. I've recently tried the rosé wine from uh, Argiris Yerovasliu. I really enjoyed his interpretation of Xenomavro grape. He made this really nice uh, rosé, very aromatic, uh, kind of Provence type, you know, in terms of color. Uh, you can find the typical notes of Xenomavro in the beginning when you smell, but then it turns out into something so much more aromatic and uh, uh, oily in the mouth. It's it's really great. You can drink it alone. You can have it with uh, Asian cuisine or Mediterranean cuisine. It's it's excellent, excellent. I really like it. Um, another friend who's making really nice wines is Chloe um, Hotzivariti. Okay, now yeah. s- uh, slow down and say that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, she's based in... Chloe? Hadzivariti. So it, it's like Chloe in the English version, I guess. Hadzivariti. Hadzivariti, okay. yeah. <laughs> well, um, they have this nice estate in Wumensa. Uh, Wumensa is very well known for its Xenomavro grape. In the north. Uh, yeah, in the north. And they make this traditional blend. Wumenisa is a blend of Xinomavro and Nagoska grape. It's a red wine. Xinomavro and Nagoska grapes. Nagoska grapes, okay. yeah. And I really like their, their Wumenisa, uh, which is, you know, the traditional blend, but it's kind of polished, you know. I mean, it's not very rustic. It's not terrifically tannic. It's really a, a really nice European wine, fruity. It has all, all it needs. It, it's it's really nice. Uh, and uh, Chloe recently made um, a series of three new wines, um, orange wines, and uh, with uh, wild uh, indigenous grapes and uh, natural wines. Well, indigenous uh, um, yeasts? Yeasts, yes, I'm sorry, sorry yeah. yeah. Uh, indigenous, uh, yeah, the grapes are indigenous as well, but the yeasts as well. Are wild. So, yeah, are wild. <laughs> and, uh, well, I've tried the um, the Xenomavro, the natural Xenomavro. Oh, my God, you cannot imagine. It's like having fresh marmalade of uh, black fruit. It's it's delicious. It's delicious. It's really nice, and uh, I'm I'm very excited because you have all these ancient grapes with all these new interpretations, and it's really exciting what is happening in the Greek vineyard right now. Uh, what else? Oh, from Crete we have excellent examples. In Crete, Crete is is going on with a thousand, as we see. <laughs> it's a Greek proverb. It's it's running very fast. Um, you have a nice example with Manusakis, Manusakis Winery. Well, they are not very uh, pointed towards Greek varieties. They mostly have um, southern Rhone varieties like Syrah, Grenache, and uh, things like that. They make an excellent Roussan, a white one. I think nice. the best in Greece. Yeah, you have to try it sometime. And... Uh, well, you see, you've got this, you know, European uh, heritage, let's say, 
all coming out in the climate and soils of Greece. It's it's excellent. I think we're we're in a very good way. Argiris Giravasiliu. It's true, Argiris Giravasiliu. How's my pronunciation? It's perfect. It's perfect. Better than mine in English. Argiris is the son of Vangelis and uh, and running the winery with his father now. Uh, and you, we were just talking about some of the uh, winery, the cellar activities, and particularly about use of barrels, oak barrels. What's the philosophy here at Garavasolu? Okay, the philosophy of my father before 30, 20 years uh, was mostly to age and mature wine, mostly red wines in uh, heavy toasted barrels. But in general, because uh, the last decade we do more work at the vineyard and we try a lot to give to our wines the typicality of the variety, the typicality of uh, Epanomie Terroir. Uh, the last five, six years we make experiments mostly at the white vinification with uh, some uh, different barrels with a different toasting. Uh, for example, we make a toast with uh, steam and not fire so we can provide a more smooth uh, toast taste to the wines. And a new thing is that, and mostly for our Viognier, uh, the last two years we are uh, uh, using barrel barrels toasted with heat and not smoke and not uh, and not fire and not fire so for someone like me who i mean understands a little bit about oak barrel fer- fermentations and oak barrel aging but not a lot you know i don't really understand a lot what is what happens with the um, preparation of the barrel, with you know, using fire to toast it, and, and what's the difference about what you're talking about? Uh, it's a very important. The, the role of the fire is very important because they used to use fire to to give elasticity to the wood, so they can make it a barrel and not break it. Uh, but the last uh, 20 years, uh, the barrel makers are using uh, this toast, heavy toast, light toast, only for uh, how we say it, uh, for uh, advertisement. How we get, so what do you like to be the final product? So the role of the fire is of course to give elasticity, but also the uh, the intensity of the toasting is very important for the final product. In terms of the flavors and For the flavors and the, the heavy toasted character, smoky vanilla character to the wine. So we can choose the how toasted uh, we want the, uh, the barrel so we can have uh, a, a wine with uh, noted with the heavy toasted note or with a lighter uh, toasted uh, aroma. Okay. And you're using... Uh, and a, a different technology which involves it defaults uh, involves heat not fire or steam in the place of the fire so the steam can create a barrel more friendly to the white uh, to the white wines or more friendly friendlier to the to the red varieties the Greek red varieties with uh, not uh, so heavy structure ah, I get it so because uh, because of the difference between red grapes and white grapes exactly the white grapes will benefit from a kind of a lighter touch exactly exactly so with our uh, the most important thing for us is to uh, give 
not to, to express the terroir of Epanomi, so we don't want to give wines with uh, with a lot of barrel and more of the typicality of our vineyard. Very cool. Yeah. I, love I it. hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Argyis. Um, it, it was great talking to you. Yeah, thank you for coming here today. And congratulations on the new baby. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That was Argiris Gerevasilyu talking about traditional cellar practices and how they're being revisited at the Gerevasilyu estate, particularly in this case in terms of oak aging and ensuring that the, the, the oak treatment does not overwhelm the beauty of the, of the fruit coming out of the vineyard. Next up, Vasilis Papianakos talking about the Greek alphabet and Greek names and the complexities thereof uh, and how these can be both a challenge and maybe a bit of an attraction for the wine buyer. Then after the conversation with Vasilis, we're going to talk to Kostas Niku, who's a management consultant, and he helps wineries and winemakers develop new projects. He's going to talk about the prospects for the Greek wine industry going forward and how they deal with that bane of everyone's experience in, in Greece, bureaucracy. Uh, to me, it's an interesting thing that the, the names are um, they're difficult to pronounce. Yeah. And they have a lot of letters. Even yes. the name of the winery. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put this on the recording. But yeah, yeah. E- you know, even the name like Papayanakos yes, or Hiravasulio. When, when, uh, to be honest, when I present my wines abroad, uh, and I have to to present myself uh, with my name and my surname, I say I understand that it's difficult. It's all Greek to you, uh, because my surname is 13 letters, and um, I can uh, because I, I've lived abroad. Uh, when I was young, for two and a half years in in UK, so I, I know uh, the the difficulties of uh, of uh, other from other countries and people speaking English or French or how difficult it is to to pronounce Greek uh, Greek varietals uh, like uh, Agiorgitiko, for instance. Is it's a tongue. It's a tongue twister. Yes, absolutely. It's, a, <laughs> it's difficult and. Um, all in different, uh, all those Moscofiller or uh, Asirtiko, Savatiano, Savatiano is easier than Asirtiko, I would say. But uh, this is also. Xenomavro, I mean, Xenomavro. for an English speaker, yes. you look at that word, you don't know how to yes. pronounce it. But also, there is a mystery. I mean, it's, uh, it's nice that people to. to um, to try to, you know, to get. It's not easy. I understand, absolutely understand. And this is a, a barrier, and a lot of people are put off of uh, when they see all those big, big names, uh, varietals, and uh, surnames. But um, on the other hand, a lot of people are, uh, you know, uh, intrigued. Okay. To, to to get to know something they don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and. Uh, Actually, when uh, when I moved to the new winery here, uh, the old one was in the, my hometown, my father's winery. So in 2007, I moved to the, to that uh, to this winery here. We are this venue. Uh, uh, I was thinking because there is a, a name on the region. Uh, the region here is 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 called Calogeri, which is easier to pronounce. Uh, I was thinking of naming the the winery after the that name Calogeri. 
So I did a research in, uh, with my agents in the United States, some friends, uh, American friends, Canadians, uh, English, uh, German. And uh, I said, what, what, what do you think about instead of Papagianakos? Which, which is one difficult. do you prefer? Which one do you prefer? The Calogeri or and they said Papagianakos. Hmm. Okay. This is your name. Uh, although it's difficult, it's, it's challenging, it's intriguing, it's... This is your name, and I, I, I decided to, to go to move forward with my surname. Well, I get it. It's like the introduction to a story. It's something yeah, that yeah. Uh, it, it can be intriguing and we mysterious. Cannot, we cannot make it everything everything to be so easy, because afterwards you don't squeeze your brain. I mean, if everything <laughs> is like uh, you know, like a caramel, <laughs> yeah, that's it's not, it's not uh, challenging this life. Yeah. Once you've said the names a few times, they are, they do have a poetry and a rhythm. Malagusia, Assertico. Yes. We say Savatiano. Savatiano. Malagusia. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And they are, they, I see the people, they, they know how to pronounce them. That's uh, as we said now. They are really proud. They, they get to know they something. They cracked you know. it. Yes. <laughs> We were talking uh, about the, the next day of Greek wineries and Greek wine industry uh, in the whole world. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential uh, for the Greek wine industry. Um, and uh, we can ha have all the negatives, we can put all the negatives aside like uh, red tape and uh, all these details and all these difficulties. As soon as you get uh, all these uh, details into account and uh, you think that this is part of your business you can see the next day uh, next day for greek uh, wineries is to invest into their own evolution uh, they have to invest into uh, new technology into the next day and uh, they'll figure out that uh, great things uh, can happen and the whole world can uh, listen to them um, is that investment happening? Do you see that investment starting to take place? And um, are the wine producers looking for that next step in the evolution? Yes, definitely, yes. There's a new mentality uh, in the Greek wine industry, and uh, we can see that as a uh, Greek wine quality improvement. Uh, as soon as the Greek, uh, the, the Greek wine quality improves, uh, I can see that uh, a good, uh, a good things are happening in the Greek wine sector. Uh, yes, definitely, I can see that happening. New mindsets uh, are here to see the next day for Greek wines. There's uh, a lot of people talk about the new generation, the young winemakers, and you know the um, the energy and new ideas that they're bringing. Do you see that in terms of what's what's happening in the in the wine industry that you deal with? I definitely see that uh, new uh, businesses arise, new people uh, deal with the, the Greek wine uh, industry. Uh, but I have to admit that uh, these new uh, beginnings uh, have to be in a new and a more uh, business-wise approach. I mean, everybody. I have uh, everyone has a passion and want to express it and to have a signature into this world uh, but uh, they have to definitely have things uh, into account like basic entrepreneurial things 
the discipline of yes, yes. entrepreneurialism. Mm -hmm. Uh, they have to be more mature into their approach, into their attempt, because they have their um, expectations to manage. Uh, they have to th their time to manage and uh, the investment to manage. And uh, all of them, uh, a passion per se is not a ticket to their success. And now, as promised a full Rembetica song performed by Kostas Kalafatis. Kostas is a very famous musician in Greece, and I had the good fortune to be invited over to his place. He and his wife, Vula, invited me to their home for dinner and for, uh, to play some music, and I recorded this with them on the beautiful island of Skopelos in Greece. Hope you enjoy it very much. Here's Kostas Kalafatis. The song was composed uh, by Yorgos Mitsakis, another very skillful compositor in Rebetica and uh, the song was also composed in the same decade I mean in 1947 talking about the wine again and about the poorness you know it's a combination of the two things in one the song uh, it's called the little wine shop it was a time of the civil war in Greece and uh, it was the time that uh, the people, they wanted to live and also to forget, you know, both of them. <laughs> so wine was helping. It's called the small tavern and starts the night is chilly outside and a soft rain falls. Outside the little shop, a penniless drunk sits thoughtfully and he would like to go in also and drink. The shop is very poor and he cannot give credit, you know, wine. So he stays outside. <laughs> Thank you. 
Paniotis in the Botilia wine shop in Volos, Greece, a, a really amazing wine shop. It's got one of the best selections of Greek wine that you could possibly find. And Paniotis is very knowledgeable about Greek wine, so having a lot of time, we're, we're sipping on some Assyrtiko, and Paniotis is telling me about the Assyrtiko grape. So um, let's pick up where we were talking about, uh, as we were talking about the Assyrtiko grape, Paniotis. Okay. Where, where, I don't know <laughs> where to start from. To start about the the variety, the island, yeah, sure, the yeah. wine. I think it's. I mean, the story of Santorini is fantastic. So I think that's a great place to start. If we we could talk about Assyrtikos from other places, but let's talk about Santorini. Well, it's a okay, yeah, sure, of course, because uh, Assyrtiko is an indigenous variety of the island, and it's been uh, on the island for the last thirty uh, four centuries, three thousand four hundred uh, years. Of yeah, cultivation. centuries, yes, exactly. So, Incredible. uninterrupted. Uh, because the uh, island never suffered the phylloxera. So, and it's very important to, to say that, uh, you know, the climate of the island is officially, it's a desert. <clears throat> because of the rainfall, no rainfall, very high temperatures, strong winds, it's a desert. So, that grape, that fruit, is a is a hero. Is a winner. It's still alive on, on a desert. So how does it survive in that climate? Uh, well, the, the the way they shape the vines, it's very important for its survival, because they have a you know a, a basket shape uh, in order to protect the the eyes of the plant and then the fruit. The the leaves protect the fruit from the strong wind, the the sun. And uh, what they do is they, uh, in, in the morning, the humidity of the air uh, stays under the leaves and then the, the vines are self-watered from tiny drops of uh, amazing, seawater. Amazing. So the, the, the humidity from the sea exactly. collects on the leaves in drops. And like, you can like uh, absolutely find that saltiness in the wine. You can smell it, you can feel it. Well, we taste it in this wine that we're drinking right yeah, now, for sure. For it's, sure. It's salty, yeah. and it's like stones. Um, so let's jump in and talk about this particular wine and this particular winery. I think, okay. I think there's a family relationship, if I understand correctly. Well, we are lucky to, to taste today a uh, vintage of 2017 of uh, the family Hrisou, uh, Santorini family with uh, Celepos Winery and it's a very small and, uh, winery and uh, actually very limited uh, uh, 
production. Mm. So what they do here is they they do the harvest whenever it's said, it's need, it's needed, and uh, they just uh, they do the surling method for several months. We are working with the fine. Uh, Least, uh, how you say yeah, finally, so this means a stronger, uh, stronger structure yep. um, that uh, will help that wine because of its super high acidity. That's a wine that you can have it now, but you can store it and enjoy it after five, ten, and great years, maybe fifteen or more years. This is one of the hallmarks of a Sirtico, is that it's a, a wine that can live for a long time. Yeah, it, it's, it it's very rare for a white Mediterranean uh, variety. It's very rare. Cool. Tell me a little bit about the characteristics of the Sirtico grape and a Sirtico wines. What would you find yeah. in your typical Sirtico? Well, it's not a super fruity variety. You know, it's kind of shy. The fruits are kind of shy in it. You, you can... You have to try to, to understand the fruits under the uh, saltiness and the, the mineral uh, sense you get. Um, usually you will find it a kind of lemony or you <coughs> or maybe the, the, the orange skin, that's it. And, and uh, as the years, uh, as, as it ages, you will have those aromas in a kind of more uh, marmalade uh, sense. Right. Uh, but still, you're going to find those things in, in two, three, in ten years. And the saltiness and the minerality, of course. But when it's young, it's dominated by that saltiness and minerality and crispness. Uh, it's funny, if you have the chance to, to taste it uh, like uh, every three months, it's, it's all alive. It changes every three months. Changing all the time. Yeah. Cool. So okay. we talked about Santorini and the moisture in the mornings collecting on the leaves. Mm -hmm. But we should talk a little bit about the island and the volcanic nature of the island, right? So let's, let's, if we started that conversation a, a little it, bit well, again... Well, the, the, so, the soil, it's unique. It's, it's lava, it's pumice stone. Uh, no water, no rainfall. So what the, the roots of... The, if you go to certain... Uh, vineyards of Sandorini and you can see uh, <coughs> horizontally the, the, the ground, the soil, you will see layers and layers and you will find the roots going, uh, digging uh, into the rocks, trying to find something, just something. And as they go down and down, what they find is those minerals and more minerals and more minerals. There's only volcanic exactly. ash and lava all the way down. Yeah. They're, they're never going to find anything else. No. <laughs> till they, till they, they reach the sea, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's incredible. More salt. <laughs> if you ever get to the beautiful city of Volos on the Aegean coast in central Greece, find the Botilia wine shop and find Panayotis. You'll enjoy hearing about what the latest offerings are from Greek wineries. Panayotis might even pour you a glass of wine. And if you're really lucky, he'll tell you about the best little restaurant in Volos. Coming up next, Panayotis is going to tell us his top tip for what might just be the next big thing coming out of Greek wine. And then we're going to go back to Vasilis Papianakos of the Papianakos Winery, who's going to talk to us about 
what it's like to be a farmer, and what it's like to work with Mother Nature, vintage in, vintage out, why he loves it, and why he loves sharing that with his international fraternity of winemaker friends. Panayotis, what is the next big thing? Uh, the next big thing should be, I guess, Robola of Kefalonia Island because of uh, its similarities and differences to Assyrtiko. Robola. Robola. Remember that grape. Robola of Kefalonia. Yeah. Next big thing. Yeah, we'll talk about that next time. Awesome. Thanks very much. It was an honor. Thank you. We, we meet with producers from all over the world, Austrians, Americans. I visit wineries wherever I travel. I go to see the producers. We, we, we meet in uh, international uh, wine fairs. So there is a, a, there is a code, there is a respect between the wine producers because all of us, we know how difficult it is to have an, uh, an outcome. Every year, it's not, it's not a recipe that you just repeat it. It's, uh, it's, it's the weather, it's the, it's the God, I would say. I mean, it's the nature, Mother Nature. And that makes, uh, makes us bring down to the earth because we know that nothing is given. Every year you have to, to do everything with uh, a lot of anticipation, a lot of passion, and with no certain result. No, nobody can guarantee, guarantee you that uh, everything will be perfect. So you may even sometimes I've lived from my life with my father uh, five days be before uh, harvest and the wines looks looked perfect and the next day a heavy rain destroyed everything so that's why all we keep our fingers crossed and there is a lot of when we taste good wines from other countries from other uh, in grapes all over the world we we when we shake hands with other producers because we share the, the same passion but in the same you know, uh, the, the, the same terms and conditions, <laughs> I would say, because you are a lawyer. <laughs> and you, you know, you are under the same... Uh, yeah, you understand. The, the fraternity of winemakers, they, they understand the difficulties and the, the risks. And, the, yes. uh, and when the good, the good outcome comes, uh, you are really happy. And you, you have to congratulate and also um, share the passion and, and the outcome of somebody else. That's why wherever I, I travel, I, I go and see the local producers. I taste uh, wines from all over the world all the time. I want, I'm trying to meet the producers, you know, because we share the same passion and, and, the, and the same anxiety, I would say, because <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> anxiety in, in winemaking, but also it's a passion, it's a way of living. And that's why I believe in, in small producers that uh, like like my the size we are, we produce uh, 250,000 models per year in total. So everything is controlled by uh, by us. I mean, I go to the vineyards uh, to supervise. I go to the I'm all all, all day long in the winery. I know its tank, its uh, 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 outcome, and everything that comes. So I control everything, and I'm in. Uh, so it's part of my life. It's the discipline that you, you follow and uh, you are involved. We're going to close off the wine beat today with two more segments. The first is an excerpt from a grappa-fueled conversation with Lawrence Hartman. 
Lawrence Hartman makes the best sparkling wine in Greece, Karanika. And I went up to visit Lawrence at the Karanika estate. And when I got there, I found that I couldn't actually visit the winery because it was the annual grappa, or as they call it in Greece, properly called, Cipero. It was the annual Cipero making event. Every year at the end of the harvest, they have an opportunity to uh, to go to the local distillery and make Cipero, well, the equivalent of grappa. And so we were drinking grappa, and we were dancing, and there was live music, there was dogs barking. Um, you're going to hear it in this short excerpt from the interview with, with Lawrence. Uh, I'm going to do a full episode with Lawrence very soon, so keep an eye open for that one. He's a very magnetic personality, very intelligent guy, making fantastic wines up in the north of Greece in the Amindo region. But in this segment, we talk about the Limniona grape. We have a conversation about Limniona. Limniona is an amazing wine grape. It makes a very bright, very powerful, uh, very attractive red wine. Only five producers are making it. Um, it was rescued from extinction recently, and it's not to be confused with the Limnio grape, which is also a common uh, wine grape in, in Greece. Um, so that's Lawrence Hartman. You're going to hear from him in a second. Then we're going to close off with a message from our sponsor for today's episode, Joysters. Joysters offers authentic tailor-made travel experiences in northern Greece. Kostas Karadimos is the founder of Joysters, and he's going to tell us what they offer in terms of bespoke travel experiences in the wonderful area of northern Greece. We're, I think it's recording fine, except we got like a thousand dogs in the background. Yeah, they won't stop now. It's, it's full it's moon. It's that time of the night? No, I know it's full moon because from tomorrow we can start degorging. All right. So um, we were talking about Limniona. Go ahead, please. Limniona is a grape variety that needs to be aged. It is very elegant and fruity when it's young, like Dugos is very young, very fruity, framboise, a little minerality, a little meaty. But as soon as you start aging the Limniona, and Limniona is a a wine and that's amazing. It has so few tannins and the tannins it has are very soft. But still, it ages so wonderfully. It just doesn't oxidize. It has it has the characteristic that without oxidizing, it can age. Now, when it ages, what is that tractor? That's not a John Deere. That's a louder sort of tractor. Zetor. That is that is a Balkan tractor. That is from uh, Yugoslavia. Okay. <laughs> and it smells like a Yugoslavian yeah, tractor. Yeah. If it was a John Deere, we'd, we'd know it. But that's a that's a Balkan tractor. Yeah, that is a Balkan tractor. Anyway, and not serviced uh, uh, recently. I, I as as I smell. <laughs> oh my the god! The dogs have gone quiet, so that's good. Yeah, it chased away the dogs, and it's getting difficult to breathe. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's getting, there's a smoke. There's a diesel haze. Well, this is this is the this is Balkan climate. This is it's cold now. You know when it's cold and there's this this petrol fumes, uh, they are heavy and and it's the cold. I mean I think it's like six seven degrees Celsius now five. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, I it, it could become close to freezing point uh, tomorrow day after tomorrow it will snow here. Maybe we need more Cipero to keep us warm. Oh yes. Um, but. When Limiona is young, it is very friendly, velvety-like, uh, elegant, uh, soft wine, because of the sh- of the of the of the uh, soft tannins and because of the acid- low acidity. 
But once it started aging, I, I had my limiona three years in barrels. The first year it was like very pleasant, very nice, and I said, well, I'm not impressed. It's nice. It's, it's, it's very lovely. And then the second year, there were very strange things going on in this barrel. It became very mineralic. It became very meaty, like iron, blood, you know, this, this minerality from blood. And this was very, very odd because it's, it, it kept the, the fruitiness of the framboise, the pink fruit. And then, and then in the end of the second year, there came, there was this invasion of pepper, black pepper, white pepper. It had this spiciness. Uh, suddenly, which which came into the limiona, just just by aging, we didn't do anything. It just it it evolved uh, in this barrel. It 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 obtained all these new characteristics, but it it kept all the uh, the old ones. So it became more and more complex. Now the third year, that was very, that was very, um, f for me, a a first time ever. It 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 obtained like gunpowder, um, asphalt, ink, like very heavy I mineralic. But that came later. That came later. That petroleum. But yes. Petroleum is the wrong word, but it's that. It's asphalt. That, it's, it's like when you smell Tar. a burning yep. um, uh, tractor. And uh, that sounds awful. It sounds awful, but... But you put in your but, mouth, and it's blended with the fruit and with the, with the marmalade. Yes, that came later. Wow. So it's with aging that it gets all these all these mineral characteristics. I don't know. I, I don't think we're allowed to call it mineral anymore. Uh, WSCT has 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 said that mineral is not asphalt is not mineral or gunpowder is not mineral. Okay. So so we have to well, find another name. It's petroleum. It's um... petroleum. Yeah. Uh, now this is with with aging. And without getting older, so we we had our limiona in 2013, and we we bottled it three years later, two years later, um, and even in the bottle, it it evolved. It just didn't stop evolving, in, in, and everything it got it 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 had new elements, and it became richer, and and the and the aftertaste was 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 extreme. Um, it is a very difficult grape variety because the yields are very high and you have to have very poor soil uh, and you know most farmers they just want to have they fertilize their grapes and, and, and water them and, and, and but you have to torture limiona you have to you I mean you have to be very mean to this to this poor grape because because it wants to give big fruit and, and we as winemakers we don't want big fruit we want poor shriveled you know, sorry fruit that that you don't want to eat uh, but this makes great wine um, and and so you have to really torture the limiona uh, no food no f no are these no young vines older vines well our vines are now 2006 or 12 years old and i think it's young. it's like that now they are becoming to produce uh, i think in our case uh, the fact that we are biodynamic that we use uh, the super compost that is that is from the biodynamic compost. Um, we don't add any fertilizers, uh, uh, nothing. Um, I think Limiona now, after 12, 15 years, is coming to an age where we can say that the years are getting more consistent, not so much dependent on good weather, bad weather. Um, 
so it's 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 an it's an amazing grape. No one knows where it comes from. Uh, the name is is obscure. Limiona, there's Limion in Greece, yeah. uh, which is a very old grape variety, but more more common. People, people more common. People confuse yes, Limion, less. Limion. Yes. Um, um, so it's it's so exciting to work with this this grape, and and it's also exciting to see that that different winemakers make different wines from from this grape. But hey, there's only four winemakers in the world that make wines from Limiona. There's been a lot of planting going on, so I think within th three or four years there will be maybe ten wines from Limiona. I love that. It's, so it's yes. catching on. Yes, so catching do I. But I think, I, it I think it should catch on. I think it's it's worth. Uh, yeah, I think it's any, anybody who who loves wine should try a Limiona because I just think it's something it's something special and different, but it's not so foreign that it just you know turns you off. Exactly, and that's the reason why I ask you, what's your did you find it was foreign or far away? I mean, did, did you have some points of reference? Because I think it has both. It's it's common enough to recognize it and to appreciate it, and it has enough of the stranger um, uh, elements that make it exciting to drink. Well, Joysters offer tailor-made travel experiences in the unexplored north of Greece. We believe that nothing is more memorable than the unexplored. Joysters believe in the magnitude of the little experiences that make up the fabric of our lives. For us, a traveling experience is all about exciting your senses, exploring your new places, venturing into exciting activities, and indulging in exquisite local delicacies. We have always been moment collectors, true believers in time well spent, and we felt it was about time to give you access to our corners of the world and its best kept secrets. An authentic world only locals with in-depth local knowledge would be able to reveal. We're on a mission to show you Northern Greece, that other Greece, that wider, more varied, more unexpected and more authentic Greece. Finally, but probably most importantly for some of you, because you contribute to the sustainability and promotion of local communities and forge everlasting friendships. Of course, you discover a world you wouldn't believe existed. So that, in a whirlwind, is our tour of Greece's wine renaissance. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed putting it together. My thanks to the people who participated. They were all fantastic guests. Lots more episodes coming up on The Wine Beat. Please stay tuned. We've got more, uh, more from Italy, uh, Campania, the north of Italy, more episodes from Greece. We've also got some episodes coming up on winemaking, which I think are going to be really interesting if you like sort of the techie, nerdy side. This isn't in-depth winemaking. This is winemaking 101. We're going to talk about fermentation. We're going to talk about grape handling. What's the difference between making a white and a red and a rosé, all that sort of stuff. So I hope you enjoyed those as well. All right. Good talking to you. We'll see you again soon on the wine beat. <laughs>